Welcome to The Roast Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. In South Africa, it brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion is to be the best. The best is something we strive for. Crucial role is high fit. Compassion. Great. Passion, fiction, ultimate goal. Glory, relentless training, pain. Pain. Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to another awesome episode of the Row Show. Yeah, feeling a little rusty. Uh, it's been a bit of a few a few months. We, me and Jake, have been flat out and busy, but we haven't gone anywhere, and we are back to bring the first hype train bonus episode of the season. Looking forward to a jam-packed season of racing, and obviously Jake is racing at the regatta, so he's a bit preoccupied getting his rest in. So I've got a uh, perfect substitute, uh, James Thompson, who's joined us a couple of times on the show. Welcome, James. Yeah, starting to be a bit regular here. I'm sorry for the listeners having to put up with me, you know. But uh, the 2023 season is here, finally. Uh, it's obviously a big one, being an Olympic qualification year. So, yeah, it's. I think we, we teed up for a really, really cracking year. Um. Obviously, Jakey over there, so happy to fill in the temporary seat. Thanks for having me back. Uh, looking forward to seeing what we can dive into here ahead of the first World Cup of the year. Yeah, so, I mean, it does feel like it's taken its time to get here, uh, being a bit of a, a slow start to the season, even though it's a qualification year. But, I mean, I'm really excited to to see how the racing stacks up this week and we just get a sneak peek at what is to come this season. Uh, then another two World Cups and on to Olympic qualification, which has got to be one of my favorite regattas, uh, especially to watch and not to compete in. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that it's Olympic qualification. Yeah, I feel like it, that's come at us a bit quickly for, for me. I think a lot of the younger squads are probably still finding their feet a bit, trying to get in the rhythm. Um, obviously, a bit of a shorter, compressed cycle. Well, it's actually something I want to jump into straight away because there's um, there's a couple athletes and crews that have like taken time off last year, post Olympic Games, like usual, you know, beginning of the cycle, a few people taking some time off, and now coming back into the racing this season, and you know, and it's qualifications, so you know, they kind of it's almost as if they've taken two seasons off because that's what kind of last year was filling in for the, you know, the missing year from, from the, the pandemic. But what do you think? Like, do you think it's, cause I'm like kind of in two minds. There's the element of taking some time off after a very stressful Olympic cycle an extra, you know, a five year Olympic cycle with a whole lot of baggage and extra pressure and stress that maybe taking a year off, would have done athletes like extremely well. And then, then on the flip side, it's such a short cycle. So can you afford to miss that kind of crucial training and development um, from from the in, in for the next Olympics? So, I mean, two minds, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. Um, firstly, it's, it's crazy that we're still like dealing with the, um, like the consequence of the Olympic cycle move. Um, I feel like it's been years since COVID. I feel like COVID's so far away from us. But we're still dealing with pretty real like consequences of that Olympic move, um, and then to miss a year is I think it's okay for a seasoned athlete. I think if your body needs a rest and if your mind needs a rest, you've got to do it. Um, but I just think it's probably for those guys that needed to make it like a ten month rest and not really a full twelve month rest. 
um, they couldn't really come back into this season sluggish. They needed to make sure they they book their seat, particularly if they're racing a single, which a lot of the guys who missed that season are in. Um, you can't be hanging around. You know, you can't just uh, expect someone else to qualify a seat if you're racing the single. You know, um, so I think it's it's a much tougher year to do it. But at the same time, if if you're not sure whether you're going to do another whole cycle and it's only a three-year Olympic cycle and you take a year off. There are probably a couple of guys who are coming back for two years who weren't coming back for three years. So I think it's it's a more realistic option there. Um, pretty short Olympic cycle, one year off, qualification year, race year. Yeah, I would suspect there's at least a handful of guys there that might be in a, a medal-winning position next year who are in that category, who probably wouldn't have hung around if they were staring down the barrel of three years at the uh, at the office, you know? Yeah, so I think for those athletes, this is going to be a crucial regatta to see how they how they do and how they perform. And maybe, you know, maybe they're a bit rusty from racing, but they need to be able to, like, put the back-to-back races together. You know, if we see people fading after the heat in the semi, it's going to be tricky to then um, to then build that kind of endurance base in such a short time. So I think the although there's not that much heat, there's not that many heats and final uh, semis and finals yet because it's such a small regatta, but there's definitely going to be a lot of learning um, that we can take from watching the racing this weekend for sure. Yeah, and those guys have got to prove their seats, right? They they're coming back. They've they've taken some time for themselves, but I'm sure they've still they want to settle the doubts and the demons, make sure that they are on it. But it's also for the selection, right? Um, you only get to send one crew to, to qualification and st- stuff like that. So you've got to prove yourself to the selectors and then you've got to prove yourself um, that you can actually go and secure that seat. And at the same time, you've got this underlying pressure of like you're wanting to show people that the selectors particularly that you're up for the task. If you could take a year off and you're coming back this year, you'll, you really put yourself in a good stead to say, give me another 12 months and I'm going to be right on it and I'm going to be in the, in the middle hunt. So, but those guys have got to start showing, like the dividend, like that they've taken this year off, they've rested, they've recovered, and that they're ready in a bo- their bodies are ready in a position to come back at it. So, and so to throw a, a third spanner in the works, there, I think maybe not this Olympic cycle, but I think next Olympic cycle, we're we're going to see a continued ramification from the COVID pandemic, where we see maybe like. I think on a statistical point of view, a few less athletes coming through each system than or a normal cycle. You know, people that missed a year of rowing at school or people that missed, oh, yeah, okay. you know, that are then are not feeding into the system, into their teams and the teams like recruiting, you know, one or two or, you know, like maybe it'll be at a percentage, like 5% less athletes recruited from the, you know, the this particular age group or this age group or this age group so i think next cycle we'll see that so maybe we'll see also an extension of older athletes like realizing that they can just hold their speed a little bit more uh, re- uh against the maybe just a fewer amount of of young bucks coming through so that's another interesting thing to just keep in the back of your head when you you're watching the racing this season and going forward yeah and i think it's just so it's starting to affect the lightweights i think um i think the depth potentially is starting to thin because you're starting to get those guys coming through from under 19 uh, so if leaving juniors who suddenly they're looking down the, the barrel and they're saying they're looking to, a little bit further down and they're saying hang on 
there's no there's no real hope sure. after, there's no real hope after Paris. Yeah. I, I'm not going to perform in Paris. But what would have happened in a four year Olympic cycle? Some guys were saying, okay, I'm playing the 2028 game here. I've just really got to get some experience. I'm going to learn. And suddenly, the, you know, a couple of things start to click. So even for the Paris games, I think that we're starting to see like a dwindling of that depth. Not necessarily the top guys. The guys. Mm. Who, no, the, that's the, what I'm the, saying. The top guys. That's so what I think I'm you're saying. getting it from a COVID. I think you're getting yes. it in the lightweight double up. For and sure. Then the the main development piece of the sport that we lose here, I think, is all of these guys who would have come through lightweights with a lightweight dream. So they pushed on a little bit with a lightweight dream, and they suddenly realize they're not lightweights, actually heavyweights, and they become like that welterweight mm. boxer. You know, that guy who converts up and actually becomes a pretty solid welterweight heavyweight. I think yeah. there's a thinning of the pack there, right? Um, and also, I mean, look, we've spoken a bit about how we disappointed that we've seen the lightweights uh, leave the system. Like, I would not have been able to, you know, you, our team was built on lightweights and I came through that and, and kind of capitalized on racing and training against you guys and the, the rest of the lightweights in the team. And I don't know if I would have reached my potential had I not had such good athletes to compete against. So, you know, you, it's like these little knock-on effects that maybe we'll see in a, in a couple years' time kind of playing the effect on the on the smaller countries or, or the big countries as well. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see that. Going back to this uh, yeah. World Cup, uh, Croatia, Zagreb, did you ever race there? Never raced in Croatia. I'm so upset about it because I also missed the boat. And I remember racing with Ramon De Clementi from uh, our Athens um, bronze medal pair. And I was rowing with him and I asked him, like, oh, where the best, where's the best place to um to row and this was must have been a, this is my first uh, senior world champs in um, Slovenia uh, back which, in which wasn't a bad not a bad place 2011 <laughs> and he said because he had done world champs since like uh, 1999 I think it was his first world champs so he had said no the best place he'd raced in was Croatia so I always felt like oh, I'll get there eventually but I never made it there so I was pretty jealous of Jake going off to to race in Croatia just looking at some pictures of it, it looks very rad it's like a half man-made half natural course mm. um, I wonder if it got some of the same like bank issues with like the man-made courses um, but it does look like a no. like a I grass bank so I think it's I think also it's just like in the city um, it's like very busy, you know, it's like, a, I think it's quite an interesting course to race at and it's a very cool place, uh, whereas uh, maybe a little bit different to the others. Anyway, I always wanted to race there and we're going to get to watch it on, on, the, the, on, the, on the web this week. But um, the weather this week looks good. I'm dead jealous. Yeah, James showing me pictures. Showing not pictures. Not going across well on the, on the audio. No, fair but enough. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks good. The, okay, so the weather this weekend, overcast, uh, rain coming in, it looks like Monday, so I hope that holds off and that doesn't move, so we'll keep an eye on that um, over tomorrow and Saturday. And then pretty low winds picks up a little bit on Sunday, but nothing too serious, I think. And then, yeah, so I think looking forward to, to like a pretty good weekend of racing and, yeah, a short cycle, so we need to start really looking at seeing who's coming in and who's going to start putting their names up for the those qualification spots at the end of the year? Yeah, I think that probably leads us into the big, like the big talking point of this is there are not many people here to put their hands up, right? Um, this must be one of the smallest World Cups that we've seen, certainly one of the thinnest 
on on like high profile names. It's quite difficult. Um, we were going through the entries now. Um, yeah, I think you made a list, Laurie, of the of the people who aren't here. It's quite a list. I don't know if we've got enough time on the podcast to yeah, list the top to countries not a, a short thing. So, I mean, I'm very... We've said this so many times, and I think there have been World Cups. Uh, the first World Cup is often a very small regatta. But in the last few years, they've been... I went back and looked at our results, and and, uh, and there have been decent regattas for the first World Cup, and this is particularly small um, over the, the last few years. And, I mean, you are missing so many big countries. It's crazy. So, obviously, you're missing... The, the the continentals the fur, the ones that are further away that are not that keen to travel New Zealand Australia USA Canada but from the European side of things you are missing so many many more countries uh, in huge countries GB Ireland Germany France Netherlands um, Italy and Romania so I mean, Germany have Oli Ziedler, but no one else. Netherlands have a lightweight uh, woman scholar, but no one else. So you can't really count them as as being at the regatta. But um, yeah, I just think it's very it's disappointing. And the, when the big countries are stop supporting these regattas, is for me is a big red flag. Because what are they doing? You know, they're the ones that drive on these these regattas. If um, if they're not arriving at the regatta, then it's really desensitized. Uh, de-incentivizes other countries from arriving at the regatta. Yeah, and often like this first World Cups and some of the World Cups have lower entries in the non-Olympic boat classes. But we're seeing like the women's pair running at three entries. You know, that's pretty wild. That's an Olympic boat class, a pretty seriously competitive Olympic boat class. Early in the season, small boats, still a thing early in the season. So you're getting a small boat running three entries in Olympic boat class in one of like the main heavyweight women events it's and like big boat classes have just been obliterated yeah no f- eights men or women racing men's four seven entries won a final from last season uh so yeah really really slim entry starting to form a bit of a cycle as you say they're sort of next year is anyone going to want to travel for the, the first world cup like we've been seeing it come as you mentioned like it's coming but after this world cup is anyone going to have the um the, the appetite to travel across the world, flights are getting more and more expensive, the cost of getting to these regattas, it certainly isn't going down. And next year you're sitting there looking and you say, do, you know, what do we do? And I think um, uh, World Rowing really has to look at this. Um, they, need to, they need to dig in and sort of say, well, what what's happening with this World Cup circuit? Um, and more importantly, our big challenge, I guess, is World Cup yeah. 1. This is not the first year that this has been happening. No, for sure. And... The World Cup series should be the biggest. So, it's, I mean, it's got to be Olympics, World Champs, and then the three World Cups. They should be the biggest regattas of the cycle of each year, full stop. It shouldn't be a question. Whereas a lot of regattas are outstripping them. I mean, Henley is killing it. So everyone wants to race Henley every year. Um, and that's competing with Lucerne, which is the biggest World Cup. So then you take it back to these yeah, small so the World d- Cups. So the dates of that is absolutely awful. Yeah, but it, so I I think it's quite cool though. You have like this back to back racing, and you have a lot of people competing in both these events and holding their own. Like we know that the Lucerne World Cup is really good, so lots of people go to that, and we know Henley is really good. Lots of people go there, but yeah, for the first World Cup, we have these other regattas that are like almost pre season, a bit earlier in the season, that are offering better racing, more racing, and more, and more competitive countries showing up for them so i mean i think a perfect example is Petaluka, 
So it's a regatta we used to go to a lot and race at a lot because there's a double regatta format. So you race over f- over three days, you race two regattas, if we could say that, and you race. So if you enter the pair, you're gonna race a heat to final, a heat to final, and like this. So there's a lot more racing, and and it allows crews to change combinations between the two regattas to test out, um, you know, selection or to test out um, different boat classes so you can race a pair the one regatta you can race a four in the next you can fill in an eight so it's like a very flexible format early in the season when coaches are trying to do selection whereas now this is like almost too late in the season for selection but it's too um it's it's too early to like really be going on to peak racing so i feel like a, it's a, a bit of a loss a bit rigid right so i think yeah. what what Luca shows us is that there is an appetite to race earlier in the season but it needs to be a little bit more uh, flexible. You can't travel just to race one boat class. You could, uh, understand that the season is in a selection yeah. position and then structure a World Cup sort of for selection almost, like that we, we can start to see. So maybe, you know, that double racing boat class that you mentioned, yeah. so you race, maybe it becomes a four-day regatta with two, two back-to-back two-day formats or and you you're not allowed to race the same format twice or like just push it towards yeah. where like make everyone in the same or and when you look at the so that was when I was looking back and looking at the res, at the like um you know regatta history over the last few months there's so many regattas and there are so many national selection regattas that are kind of published regattas so like USA have one this is all the countries have them so why not just incorporate that into a level of a World Cup or somewhere where you're like encouraging this competitiveness and like early in the season that with it, which is clearly what what the countries are looking for and what the athletes uh, are looking to race. Yeah, but like, can't we start to see like a small boat only uh, first World Cup, a small boat only something like that? This um, is a small boat only first World Cup. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> what about like? What's interesting for me is these non world rowing events that are starting to sort of like almost push through some elements of it are, are all different. They have something unique about them. There's, you know, if I think about like Head of the Charles, you think about Henley, um, Essen, I mean, not Essen, sorry, Pedaluco, they're all like adapting to like the need, they're adapting to like what, um, and whereas world rowing just has the same format, you know, six lanes wide, you race your heat, you race for semi, you race your final, so over three days, whatever, like one race a day. Which, what about racing multiple races a day yeah. in the first World Cup and, and it, making it four days and, back to back? And you testing know, just it out in these regattas that are not really shooting the lights out in the first place. Like Obviously, we don't want to see world champs change or the games change, but I feel like we need to see something interesting come in on these early regattas to, to really get encourage people to join. But this is the innovation space, right? They, they can do anything they like with the first World Cup because, like, exactly, it's uh, yeah. they're not going to get less people than they got now, right? So, yeah, it's just it's interesting, but but that's not to say no one's arrived, right? Um, there that's have been there's some good racing, and there will be good racing coming down the track this week. Yeah, Croatia managed to get nine crews here, obviously home regatta, so it's good of them to have driven uh, from home, um, and then Swiss and Spain um, up with twelve. Mm. So I think that's... And what's actually interesting about both those countries, Swiss and Spain, is they're both like on a big up at the moment. Like Spain had an awesome season last season. They had a good Olympic Games. Uh, a lot of new crews coming through. 
and starting to to put uh, pressure on into those a finals. So um, I think it's quite uh, quite awesome to see them coming to race and the Swiss team also really boosting up uh, a lot more numbers than I would say they usually have. And they coach Ian Wright, so he coached the lightweights. Uh, to uh, the Rio Olympic Games uh, for the Swiss and won the gold there. Then he moved to Australia, shot the lights out there for four years, and now back at Swiss at the Swiss team and starting to to really show um, his quality again, uh, bringing more and more athletes into the into the fray. Yeah, a real system builder there, and to see twelve crews arriving here. Like I'm not uh, I'm I'm not exactly right on the show on the stats, but I. I can't believe there have been too many Swiss teams that are pulling 12 crews into World Cups. Um, yeah. Normally they like have one or two really high-performing crews, a little bit of a tail after that, maybe yeah. another two or three. Some heavyweights as well, which is also less uh, usual for them. Like uh, they have two, uh, they, 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 they're shooting the double this week. So they got uh, two lightweight doubles racing head-to-head, women's doubles racing head-to-head, and two heavyweight women's doubles racing head-to-head. Yeah. So again, so, it's a selection, yeah. It's a selection element coming through there. But it's it's quite late in the season to be, uh, not re- a little bit. Usually April, May, you're starting to finalize your selection. I think most countries. I think you probably find you know it runs a pretty competitive internal environment. So he's he might want to push that selection later, almost artificially maybe. Um, but yeah, I think that's again, it's just showing squad. It's showing a system being built. Um, I really enjoy that piece of the sport where we start getting um, sort of the team grows and grows and it becomes like that flywheel, right? More and more athletes want to be part of it. And I think a guy like Ian Wright has definitely managed to get that right on more than one occasion now. So just awesome to see him doing it again, I guess. Um, And really interested to watch where Spain go in the next few months and Swiss obviously putting big teams out right early in the year. So James, when you look at the, the events... What event? Um, what event are you going to turn on for the heats tomorrow to watch? Can I say it like that? Yeah. Well, I think. We'll, which one are we? I'll probably have my usual gripe. Right, you got to stick it in your nice earlier in the season. I, there's not much to watch in the heats because I don't think we're going to get any video f- out of World Rowing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you you led me into that too easily. Um, <laughs> But I'll, I'll definitely be checking in. I think the main single. Uh, oh, I just thought that World Rowing were maybe someone was listening to our show and it just decided to flick the switch on for the, the heats. If this is the World Cup, they decide to televise the heats, I'll be blown <laughs> away. But you know, we said they've got to try something, yeah. so maybe that's it. Maybe that's what happens. Each season they're like, okay, we're going to televise it. Put the heats on for World Cup. Why? They're like, oh, shit. No, Five people work. watched. <laughs> they're like, oh, getting that for the rest of the season. <laughs> Leave us le- losing our minds. No, I think for me, it's the singles, the one. It's got a little, it's got more than like two players in it. It's like, how do they all roll out? But there are quite a lot of heats there, right? So um, we probably have to wait for a semi final there to see where those those three names are. We've got Oli Ziedler, he's there. We've got Damien Martin, we've got Sarah Nelson turning back. So yeah, I've been a long time fan for for Ali, and then he had serious wobblies uh, last season early on, but then dominated the the world champs. So uh, you know, uh, world champs um, gold medalist. I think he's going to hold it out this season. I think he's going to be just find that little bit more maturity and confidence in his in his ability, and I think he's he's going to start to really put pressure. But it's so exciting to see Damian Martin. Uh, racing and hopefully he can show some of that uh, that racing. Like w- 
Damien's also had a super up and down last like five or six years, so really struggled. Um, uh, but you know, if he can pull it together, and he's a sort of athlete when he gets his puzzle right, it yeah. works. I know he's had a, he's always struggled with a lot of injuries, and yeah, I think he's ha- hasn't had the easiest time since uh, the Rio Games. But you know, if he can get it right, I think he'll have a lot of support and on home water. So maybe he can uh, he can show something this weekend. And then Sverry Nielsen, also absolute machine. He's been on the show and done some serious ergo, ergo work, and he's coming back in. You uh, got fourth in the last game, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's, you know, I think he's going to be your example earlier in this thing, like the athlete who stepped away, maybe got a bit refreshed, maybe he's got the hunger. The fact that he's come back means he really wants it, right? Yeah. So and I think he was like, he felt robbed as well in the at the games coming with the, f- the fourth medal and having such a good cycle and then coming away with the fourth, so you'll be re- be be wary of the angry yeah, athlete, right? I think that I've got. I think that those for me are three like really, really interesting athletes to watch this whole season. Let alone just this first regatta. It's really cool that they're all up against each other. So I think from a depth and a racing point of view, the men's skull is for sure going to be the race to watch. It's going to be the you know it's gonna it's gonna lay down the the law and it's gonna be I'm gonna go out there and predict the men's skull is the highest performer percentage wise for the regatta. I think it's so bold, uh, bold. But well, that's you what I'm going you for. do have the Sinkovich brothers, so they could bang something out there. Um, they'll probably go if they give it a full a full tank in the final, um, and I think. Sure, the Sinkovich brothers. They're not even medalists from last season, James. Oh, come on. <laughs> home regatta, home water. They know what they're doing there. <laughs> and um, they're also going to be angry athletes coming back. Yeah, the exactly. They must be. They must have trained with a fury the whole Jeez. of the winter. Yeah. But, and good race actually in the and, men's double. And let's just comment again. They just look right in the double. Like, oh, yeah. I, I can't wait to see it again. We have to wait for Sunday, right? But can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um, I think... No, they look super comfy and like I'll I'll go against you there. I'm gonna put Sinkovich's top of the prog sheet yeah. come Sunday afternoon. Okay, that's a good I think that's a good call. Now that I'm looking down there, <laughs> that's a little <laughs> that's a that's a good one. But I'll stick with my with my main single. I think those that's gonna be a good race. Um but also because the Sinkovich brothers have Spain to push them, um and Spain finishing second last year at World Champs, so big Big crew. So Spain actually come into that favourites. Yeah, for point. sure, yeah. yeah. So I think the that that could be a really good racing, you know. And the Sinkoviches didn't have like a, the smoothest uh, season last season. I felt like they were firing at some points and they were not going very well with others. But they're such soldiers, so I think that they will come. They will. They will definitely bring their A game and they will give it their their best shot. So yeah, let's see where where that ends up. Yeah, and I guess one of the few off-continent teams to have actually travelled across to Europe is the the South African team. So we've got our uh, two crews. We don't have a big team this year, but two two classy crews coming out of South Africa. Um, but yeah, I think we'll also be really good to see how Jakey goes. Um, obviously, all the listeners know Jake really well by now. Um, yeah, I think... Really missing him at this point of the show. I'm not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think the men's four. Uh, the what are your thoughts on the men's four, and where do you think Jakey's going to shape up there? Yeah, so I th- again, I think disappointing on the like 
on the show of the like competition that they have to race. Um, I still think they can learn quite a bit though. They got um, Ukraine to race. They got a young um, Austrian team, a young Swiss team, like more like under twenty three teams that they can go up against. But they're not far off an under twenty three team. You know, they got a lot of young guys in the crew, and they got a lot of under twenty three medalists in the crew. James Mitchell um, and uh, Chris Baxter. Use your words, yeah, Lars. Use all of them. Really, really cocking it up. Yeah, trying to remember all these... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to remember all the results and the names and make sure I don't make any mistakes. You're trying to remember the names of the South Africans. Yeah, but I uh, know the names, but I'm <laughs> trying to add their, their results to the, the pool is also uh, just getting me a bit tongue-tied. So you train the... Are the only A finalists? There's six crews or six or seven crews in the men's four. Seven crews. Seven crews and only one back from last year's A final. Yeah, but the but I so what's quite interesting about Jake's crew though is I don't know um, reading between the lines, but I don't think that their selection is completely over. And you know, if the four is set in stone, so you know, I think they're really using this as like a tester, trying to get out there, race the four, see where they land up, and then you know, come back maybe and test out pairs or, you know, just trying to kind of keep everyone on their toes for, for this early regatta. And they didn't travel to Peluco, but um, I'm sure they'll learn plenty racing here and seeing where they where they land and how their early season has gone. I know they've had a great um, camp up in Lesotho. Super jealous though, because every time we've been to Lesotho, the water level was like really dropping, dropping, dropping. And the last few times we were up there, the water was so low, it was like a bit of a mission on some of the, the training sessions. You had to like drive to where the water starts because the dam is so low. And now the dam is back at 100%. So they actually had a Perla regatta, I mean, training camp up there. And yeah, I've been, I think it sounds like they, they're doing some good stuff. So I'm very, very keen to see how they row, how they look when they come down the track. Yeah. And then the, uh, talking about that selection piece, I think they're probably quite a lot of that going on um, because like we know a little bit more about the South African setup aspect but the women's double uh, definitely the Swiss as we mentioned there they've got two um, two doubles racing the the women's double and they're also doubling up in the quad so um, definitely but I think that's probably the, of the women's racing that's probably the one that's jumping off the page at us at the moment and that's got the other South African crew in it young crew I don't think are they still under 23 both of them uh, Catherine Williams, I think it's no, actually, I don't know if she's under 23 this year, but close. And then she raced under 23s last year, but she might be betting, just getting pushed up into the, the senior team. So it's definitely both of their first, um, for the two South Africans, both of their first showing at an international yeah, senior, senior event. Yeah, because Paige Barden also, but she's raced in the Cambridge Crew 2022, so last year. Um, she raced with, um, in the Cambridge Crew and, uh, and won there. Are so you going to name all eight of them? No. <laughs> cannot, cannot. I'll name a couple, but I'll get, I'll get there. Um, but really interesting though, because she's like she went to the states to train and to uh, and to study there. I think learned a huge amount, tested out a few other systems, then went to Cambridge, rode there, uh, learned a huge amount, and um, and now coming back to South Africa. Like I remember seeing her as an under twenty three training in our team, and I think she's a completely different athlete now, having. You know, having that extra bit of experience, a bit of, you know, just testing out these different kind of systems and different coaches and different ways of training, I think is is really interesting how, how things are going. But yeah, looking forward to seeing what they can do down the track. But the women's double is brutal though. So it's an absolutely humdinger event. 
not necessarily right at this World Cup, but in general, it's a huge, huge event. Yeah, it's, it's where the big girls are playing, right? Mm. That's the powerhouses are all there. Um, I think just going, t- circling back to what you were saying there about her different systems, I think it's a big asset to be able to get, and it's really hard. Um, I think the national systems uh, structure of going in the senior systems is really limiting in that cross-pollination of ideas. And I think as an athlete to have rode in pretty serious setups around the world, but you had a big advantage, you know, it really, and it's, I think it's great for the national team to get that wealth of experience. Um, South African team looking for a lot of experience at the moment. I think um, they, it's fantastic to get new ideas into it. And yeah. it's something that like at the end of the day, I, I rode f- from 2003. Oh, yeah. Now, now he's mumbling. Well, <laughs> uh, well, at least within the senior team, I rode from 2006 through to 2016, but it was the same ideas, the same team, the same people ways to have been able to jump between systems. I think soccer and a couple of other sports mm. do it really well. Our sport is incredibly insular once you're within your senior team. Yeah, I was actually listening um, earlier today on a podcast with Eric Murray and he was saying very su- something very similar, like how a lot of athletes don't get to choose like their coach and their and their like their system that they kinda in. They're in it and that's where they have to cash. They have to if they want to do it, they have to put all their cookies into that system, into that kind of team. And, you know, rowing doesn't always afford us the ability to go and try out another team, another system, another coach, and kind of learn from there. So, yeah, very, I think a very interesting thing, and I think a really good point on, like, going out to row in a, at, a, at an American university or going out to, you know, to spend some time in another country training with other people and learning from them because, you know, that can just kind of broaden your horizons a little bit more. And I think maybe, like, a lot of the athletes, well, not a lot of athletes, maybe listeners who haven't been to like World Cups and stuff as an athlete. Like, even once you're overseas, it takes quite a long time to break down, like, the, um, to, to like make connections across between crews. You know, you're only across countries, you're only seeing these other athletes, you're only racing against them once or twice a year. Um, generally, you're in a city out of speaking different languages. There are a lot of barriers in rowing, I think, to sharing ideas and then once you you're competing against these guys it's only really once you get into the senior not senior but the last few years of your of a, a longer career that you start having friends who row for other countries um who you've been competing against for a number of years and it's probably only once you start retiring that you're actually starting to share ideas um as guys start maybe bridging into that coaching space to some level so yeah really insular um and maybe there's stuff to work on there like how do we how do we break that? That the rowing can we can spin faster, right? That we can learn more, um, and maybe that's where we start seeing like the club setups that we've got: Oxford, Cambridge, head of the Charles. Maybe there's like a whole other 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 world there where the sport can go. For sure, and I think um, going like just on the last one, I think women uh, women's pair. I know we spoke about only having three entries, but I think that it still can be uh, quite a humdinger race down the track. So preliminary race tomorrow, not really going to even worry about that at all. But then for finals day, you know, Croatia, the sisters on home order going against Spain, I think still could be a, a good race. So I think we, we've got, so I would narrow it down to like five races, men's skull, men's double, um, maybe men's pair, women's double, women's pair to watch over the weekend. Yeah, 
I mean, and it's not going to be that won't take too long. And I think that will be those will be good races. And obviously, I'll watch the race to see if I've made any drastic <laughs> mistakes on my <laughs> predictions. But um, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that those will be good ones to to watch. And it's the first pieces of information exactly. we, we get to see this on some of the earlier video we get to see of the crew. So there's going to be lots of interesting stuff to see there. Um, but it really is just the first, it's the opening paragraph of the of the season, right? It's not much more than that. For sure. And then just to wrap it up, James, uh, I know you big into, are you like the, the, the head uh, of the committee planning World Masters, right? You're no, in no, charge no. of everything? That sounds like the scariest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I know you're big in the in the planning, so tell us a bit about how the planning's going, uh, what's happening with that regatta, and where do you you see it? Is, are you seeing it come together? Yeah, it really is is alive now. We've just finished the early bird entries, so entries are open for World Masters, um, September in South Africa, once in a lifetime event. Like I was saying to some guys on the organizing committee, like we will never get an experience to have a World Champs. Um, certainly a Masters World Champs where it's like really is open to a lot of club athletes around the world. You're going to come to South Africa, you're going to race at Rota Plot. Um, it's the most beautiful venue. It's where, it's where our national team trains. Um, and it's just outside the Pretoria, which is our, our capital. And then you're going to, after the gather, you're going to go on a safari or you're going to go to Cape Town. Um, once in a lifetime experience to race a world, a, a world championship level event in Africa. So yeah, it's all coming together for us. Um, entries are, are looking pretty good. We ha- we are well happy with what came through. We've got a good commitment from the boat builders now, so there will be boats to rent, which is a lot of people's concern. And then there's going to be this awesome glamping village, which we're the most excited about. Right at the venue, we've got some cool evening entertainment lined up. So we really are looking to look after guys right from the airport all the way through their regatta experience and then out because people aren't used to race coming to Africa, right? So we have to be more um, accommodating and sort of put on more of a complete solution. Um, and I think we've, yeah, accommodation's open, entries are open, boat rentals open. We all systems go here um, and looking forward to it. What's quite cool is seeing the, like, um, the kind of spike in rowing, like club rowing in South Africa. I've noticed it hugely on my side, like a lot of um, clubs coming, coming because obviously I've retired from, from the national team so lots of people are messaging me oh come join our club we're trying to put together a crew for world masters join this join that so i've seen a lot of uh, action on our on our side so i think we're gonna have a lot of south africans uh racing but i think yeah traveling from europe to come and join the shigata is going to be something special and then another thing that you had said earlier uh in the week when we were chatting was how you know it doesn't matter how many um, medals South Africa get at the games or whatever you know obviously those make a huge difference to rowing in South Africa but rowing in South this will be the biggest like improvement to our infrastructure and our thing for and our and our rowing community that we've had for a long time which I think is such an awesome way of looking at hosting a regatta like this is looking at what it's going to do for rowing in South Africa and comparing it to the other kind of forms we have of inspiring young rowers for in South Africa. Yeah, so the investment in the, in the main centre in Rank South Africa is just mind-blowing. I think a lot of guys who came out to the championship this weekend for the first time in a while were blown away by how much um, effort has gone into uplifting that venue, and um, and the work continues, right? We're not quite there yet, but we've got a lot of the big building blocks we want to get in place. To, as, a, as an example, I rode from 2003 to 2017, 
and there was one new jetty put into the venue. And we in South Africa, we had these steel jetties that just weren't suitable to an international level event. And we only had one concrete jetty, which is like that yeah. standard, what everyone in, around the rest of the world sees as a rowing jetty that's just above the water level. It's easy to use. <laughs> and we only had one of those, you know, for so many years. And there was only, um, only one more of those came in my entire rowing career. We've put another five into the venue just in this build-up, you know. And suddenly... It's just the standard. No, no row in South Africa is going to put a boat in off those big steel jetties ever again, mm. and those aren't cheap, you know. And that's just one of a, a yeah. long list of improvements that come into the venue and just making it world class. Um, and it is a world class venue, eight lane course. Um, it really is. There's game on the far side, you know, buck and antelope and a whole lot of stuff that you're never going to see anywhere else in the world. Um, so yeah, once in a lifetime experience and. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it, and as part of the organising committee, I'm really looking forward to it being over. <laughs> <laughs> no, really nice, and yeah, I'm also looking forward to it. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a great time. And uh, for the the road show fans out there, we're gonna do a live road show event uh, somewhere in the in the week of the racing. So anyone that's coming out to the regatta, let us know. Um, hit us up with a message. You can contact us super easily. Just look in the in the show notes. And you're going to be running the bar, right? So you're giving all road show listeners, you're paying for their beers. Is that oh, right? No, no, maybe not quite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy doing some product testing at the moment. <laughs> and we'll see the, the specials that we have for the, the road show fans. And then we'll do a, and for our patrons, we'll definitely do something special for, for the, the superstar supporters that will come out and we'll go out for dinner or we'll, we'll host them for, for something. So, yeah, plans are coming together. It's going to be such an awesome regatta. And... Enjoy watching racing this weekend, everyone. And thanks for tuning in. And Sunday evening or Monday morning, we'll be putting out the Regatta Madness where we discuss the crazy racing that's going to happen on Saturday, Sunday. Well, we look forward to hearing that you've learned the names of all eight girls in the Cambridge Eight. Yeah. We'll check on Sunday. You can test me then. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, we're out.